Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest tells us about praying the prayers of Paul. All right. Praise the Lord. So let's say it together. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning we're going to talk about praying the prayers of Paul, specifically the prayers of Paul found in the book of Ephesians. There are other prayers of Paul, most notably also found in the book of Colossians that are awesome prayers to pray. But today we're going to talk about the prayers of Paul found in the book of Ephesians. Just so you know, this message was taken from lesson two of an 11 week course that I taught on the book of Ephesians when I was the director of the Word of Life School of Ministry in Shreveport, Louisiana. So at some point in the near future, we'll be bringing this course to you in some format, in some way, uh, because it's just too fundamental and it's just too good not to. Amen? And you'll see when we delve into the prayers of Paul this morning, found in this book, that the book of Ephesians is basically a book of revelation. In fact, it's the only epistle of Paul that was written that does not address a specific problem in a church or in somebody's personal life. It's just all about revelation. Amen. So with that in mind, while writing the letter to the Ephesians, which he wrote from prison, Paul became so overwhelmed. This is my take. He became so overwhelmed when he was writing this letter so overwhelmed with revelation that he had received from the Lord Jesus himself that he twice slipped into prayer mode and he wrote the prayer into the letter of Ephesians. Amen. I think that's way cool. And it happened twice. The first time was in chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. And the second time, chapter 3, verse 13 through 21. What is striking about these prayers is that Paul does not pray that the Ephesians receive anything from the Lord except revelation. Instead of praying for them to receive blessings and benefits, he prays that they would be filled with revelation concerning what they already had, what already belonged to them as believers in Jesus Christ. Now, Ephesians was written to the church at Ephesus, but there is evidence that it was written to the church, and it was first read at Ephesus, and then the letter was spread out over all the churches of Asia Minor. So let their be no doubt that if this letter was for the Ephesians and the churches of Asia Minor back then, then it's for us today. Amen. Hallelujah. And if the Holy Ghost wanted them to receive these powerful revelations, don't you know he wants us to receive them as well? Amen. One more thing before we begin. I want to make it clear that the prayers of Paul are not prayers for unbelievers. These are prayers for people who are already at least born again and sometimes spirit-filled, okay? There are other prayers that you can pray for the unbelievers. At the end of Matthew chapter 9, Jesus looked out on the multitudes, and he says he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep and they had no shepherd. And he said to the disciples, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest because the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. And then in Matthew chapter 10, the first few verses, he answered his own prayer, and he sent them out two by two into the cities and villages in Galilee. 
Amen. Preaching the gospel. Okay. So if you've got lost friends and relatives that you want to pray for, pray that God send laborers into their life that will share Jesus with them in a way that they'll be able to receive it. Okay. But if you've got a spouse or a loved one or just a friend or a fellow saint, they're struggling in life. They're struggling facing some things. Maybe they're under attack. Maybe they don't understand doctrine the way they should. Uh, Maybe they're really messed up in their doctrine. How many know people like that? You can pray these prayers over your friends and relatives and fellow saints, and you'll be amazed at what you'll see if you do. Hallelujah. So let's begin with the prayers of Paul. The first prayer found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. I'm going to go through verse by verse, and we're going to sort of take this apart and analyze exactly what it is you're praying when you pray these prayers. And at the end, I'm going to give you a practical example of how you can use these prayers to actually pray for your loved ones, your friends, fellow saints of God. Amen? So, beginning, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Notice that Paul did not begin to pray for the saints at Ephesus until he heard of their faith and love. Now, this is opposite of the way most of us pray. We pray for people until we see evidence of change in their life, and then we stop praying for them. We need to continue to pray for our fellow saints, even when they're doing great and living for God with all of their heart. Because you never know what they might be facing in life. You just don't know that they might be under attack. You just don't know that they might need a word of encouragement. Okay, so you can pray the prayers of Paul over them for any of those scenarios. Remember, if you're living for God, more often than not, attacks will come. When you're doing something right and not when you're doing something wrong. Okay. So there's a lot of people out there that, you know, that are doing things right, doing the best they can to live for God. And they need your prayers because, listen, the devil doesn't bother the people that are not doing damage to his kingdom. But the people that are are going to be subject to attack. So you need to lift them up in prayer continuously. That's why Paul said, I pray without ceasing for you guys. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Paul did not cease to give thanks for the Ephesian believers in his prayers. Thanksgiving should be a vital part of your prayer life. We should continually thank the Lord for our fellow saints and especially for our spiritual leaders. First Timothy chapter two, the first couple of verses, not just our spiritual leaders, but also our government leaders. It says, first of all. Prayers, supplications, and giving of thanks should be offered up for all men, especially those that are in authority, kings and whatnot, that we might live a quiet and peaceable life and that all men might come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen. So we need to be thankful for our fellow saints, thankful for our leaders, and we need to consistently pray for them. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation 
in the knowledge of him. Ooh, I like that. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let me break this down for you. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give. The Greek word there that's translated give also means bring forth. Unto you, the Greek word there translated you, is also translated yourselves, your whole selves, your whole spirit, soul, and body. So let's read it again with that in mind. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may bring forth unto your spirit, soul, and body the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Paul prays that God would stir up the wisdom and revelation that was already resonant in the Ephesian believers, in their spirits as born-again believers. That's why the word spirit starts with a lowercase s, because it's talking about his human spirit, their human spirits, not the spirit of God. So how do we make sense of that? Well, I just told you. He's praying that the wisdom and revelation that already resides in your spirit man would come to the surface and invade your mind, your will, your emotions, And your body. Amen. So that you would be filled up with the revelation and the wisdom of God. Verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. In the King James translation. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. is a little misleading. The literal Greek would read something like this. The eyes of your heart being enlightened. This is important because it shows us that true illumination or revelation occurs in the heart. And I maintain true revelation occurs when your mind sees what your spirit has known all along. Because the Bible says you've been created in true righteousness and holiness, just like God, Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. So on the inside of you, there is wisdom and there is revelation. You just got to get it from the inside to the outside, to your mind, your will, your emotions, and eventually have it affect your body. Amen. Glory to God. This is good stuff. Now, verse 18, which we just read, introduces the major topics of the rest of the chapter. They are the hope of his calling and the riches of our inheritance as saints of God. The hope of his calling is a reference to our future physical redemption, i.e. our new body. Anytime you read the Bible and you read something that says blessed hope, hope of our calling, sure and certain hope, you know, that's talking about one day receiving a brand new body. And how many in here are looking forward to receiving your brand new body? Amen. Okay. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ha! The riches of our inheritance refers to all the wonderful things that belong to us in Christ Jesus. And so, as you'll see, verses 19 through 23, which we're going to read now, explain how the power of God made all of this possible. Through the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He made all of these things possible. So he talks about that at the end of this prayer in chapter 1, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places? Amen. Now, for a little perspective, 
on these verses, let's look at some other places where God used his power to accomplish certain things. Psalm chapter 8. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? When he created the universe, evidently he used his fingers. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. So when he created the earth and the atmosphere around the earth, he used his hands. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? This is the chapter of Isaiah which details for us how Jesus would die for us to purchase our redemption. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, he used his arm. Okay? So get this. God used his fingers to create the universe, his hands to create the earth, but he used his arm to resurrect the Lord Jesus Christ. The arm is always a symbol of God's power. So the greatest display of God's power in the history of the universe occurred when he raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. And you have the same resurrection power that he used to do that living on the inside of you right now. I like what Andrew Womack says. There's enough resurrection power in this place to raise every dead person on the planet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Residing on the inside of every one of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let me back up. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Amen. Now, the word translated as power here is the Greek word exousia. It actually means authority. Why is this important? It's important because there's a difference between power and authority. Matthew 28, verse 18. This is uh, the Great Commission, Matthew's version. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, again, that's that word exousia, it means authority, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So you could read it like this. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he said, Now you go in my name, make disciples. So he delegated that authority to the church. Luke 10, verse 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power. Again, it is that word exousia. It means authority. I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power, that's dunamis, that means actual power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. Spiritual power comes from God. The authority to use that power comes to the believer in the name of Jesus. Amen. We do not possess the power in our own selves, but we have the authority in Jesus' name to use that power. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's like the policeman. You probably heard this example before. He gets to a four-way stop or something. Maybe the stoplight's not working. You've seen it. The cop gets out there and he directs traffic. And he puts up his hand and a giant 18-wheeler grinds to a halt. Now, we all know that if that 18-wheeler driver put the pedal to the metal, 
that cop would not have the power to stop that vehicle. But he has the authority of the state behind him. And that driver knows if I mow this guy over, they're coming for me and they're coming with the power. Amen. So he has the authority and the power of the state backs him. In the same way, we got the authority and the power of God backs us as long as we use the name of Jesus, as long as we make it clear that we're not exercising power in our own self, we're exercising power in the name of Jesus. It's like, open up in the name of the law. You know, they knock on the lawbreaker's door. We say, stop bothering that person in the name of Jesus. Same, same kind of concept. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, verse 22. What else has God done? And hath put all things under his feet, that is the feet of Jesus, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, Jesus is the head of the church and the church is his body. So if Jesus has been placed far above all principality, power, might and dominion and every name that is named, then so have we. If all things have been put under the feet of Jesus, they've been put under our feet. We are subject to Jesus, but Satan is subject to us. We need to remember that. If the devil himself came into your house and said, I'm going to destroy you, you can laugh in his face. Say, depart from this house. You are not welcome here in Jesus name. And he has to go. The big bad boogeyman devil has to go. Oh, you better not say that, Brother Scott. The devil might hear you. I don't care if he hears me. He knows I know I got authority over him. Let's move on to the prayers of Paul found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 13 through 21. Verse 13, wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Paul exhorts the saints at Ephesus not to focus on his circumstances. Remember, he was imprisoned in Rome when he wrote this letter. We can miss the glory of God if we're always focusing on circumstances and not the word of God. You can miss the glory. Focus on the word. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Glory. Notice that the family in heaven and the family on earth are both named after God the Father. While we live on earth, we're in the church. We're also in the family of God. If we die, we're no longer in the church, but we remain in the family of God. He has family in heaven and family on the earth. When the rapture occurs, hear me out, God will bring the two families together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ, that's the family in heaven, shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, that's the family on earth, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. The family on the earth and the family in heaven will be reunited one day. Amen. Verse 16. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. 
This is one of my favorite parts of this prayer. The word translated as strengthen there comes from the Greek word kratos. It means ruling power. It's the word we get our word democracy from in the English. Kratos. Now, democracy means self-rule. The word translated as might comes from the Greek word dunamis, which means inherent power. So you put the two together and we see that Paul was praying that God would grant the saints a self-rule that was based on the power of God available through his spirit in our inner man. Do you see that? You can exercise self-rule that includes self-control because you have the power of God resonant on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. You have ruling power. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. If you want Jesus to feel at home in your heart, then live by faith. But don't forget that Galatians 5, 6 says, faith works by love. Here we see God's desire for the saints to comprehend the totality of the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? And we also see that revelation from God is is meant to be shared. So let me direct your attention to verse 18. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. This means this revelation is meant for all saints, not just for a select few. Beware anytime somebody separates themselves from the body of Christ and declares that they have a super secret revelation that only a few people can understand. You beware of people like that. You beware of that because the Bible says revelation in general and the revelation of the love of God is for all the saints. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. How many here want to be filled with all the fullness of God? Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, God sets high goals for his children. He says we are to be holy as he is holy. That's in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says we're to be perfect. That's in 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Knowing that the attainment of these goals in our whole being, spirit, soul, and body, is a lifelong process. And it's not possible to do apart from him. So in the same sense, the spirit of God through Paul says that it is God's desire that we be filled with. With all the fullness of God, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. Just be filled up to the brim with the power and the life and the love of God. Isn't that your desire? Haven't you met people that are so full of the love of God, it just oozes off of them? Wouldn't you like to be like that? You know, you know they just put their hand on your shoulder and you're just, you feel like you're going to melt because you're in the presence of the love of Jesus Christ. I know people like that. I want to be more like that. You know, I want people to see something different in me. I want to be full of God. Amen. Uh, Trisha and I sold a house in Bossier City, Louisiana. This has been 20 years ago. And we had a lady come look at the house and she was interested in buying the house. And uh, 
I just showed her room from room. Trish was there and uh, she was waiting for her retirement from Bell South. And we worked a deal where she did a lease purchase and all that kind of stuff. We worked it out for the lady to get into this house. But after that tour, as we were leaving the house or as she was leaving the house, she just turned to me. She said, there's something different about you. I said, what do you mean? She said, there's like this love. Something's on you. And I said, well, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. She said, that's it. But you're more. You're you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, yes, I'm a preacher. Thank God she could see it. Yeah. Now, listen, I I have my bad moments, too, you know, out in public, you know. And so this is why I don't put a fish on the back of my car. Because you might catch me in a bad moment, you know. Just to let you know that I'm human. When we were still in Bossier City, Louisiana, I was driving home from work one day in my little purple Jetta. And uh, I'm driving down, uh, actually, I can't remember, Barksdale Highway. And uh, this guy in a truck, he just swerved and he cut me off. And he came within inches of hitting me, you know. And I just... I just gave him a courtesy tap on the horn, you know, doot, you know, I didn't like, you know, like some people, you know, I just, doot, just want to let you know, you almost hit me, you know, and so, of course, he rolls down his window and gives me the single finger salute, you know, and so, you know, I'm a Bible teacher at Word of Life Center, prison minister, but I got so enraged. I'm going to tell you here and now, I rolled down the window, and I returned the salute. (laughs) And then I pulled it back in really quick and looked around to make sure nobody from Word of Life was there to see me do that. Okay? I repented quickly, and the Lord forgave me. Okay? Amen. But we want to be filled with the love of God so we don't do stupid stuff like that. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was 20 years ago, okay? I've grown a little bit since then. I'll let you know, I've had opportunities as pastor here in the city of Wilmington to do things like that, but you know, I don't because I got a little bit more self-rule operating in my life, you know? I got kratios working in me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And now he wraps it up in wonderful fashion here in verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now that's good. But you got to hear the amplified version of verse 20. And then I will read verse 21. Uh, with some also some amplifying notes that I have here. Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams unto him, unto who? Unto this guy that says we can do all this stuff beyond our wildest imaginations, according to the power that's already working in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world, and that word there, world, is the word eon. It actually means time without end. Amen.
Hallelujah. Glory to God. I feel like running. God authored the plan of redemption. Jesus implemented the plan. And the Holy Ghost revealed the plan to the church. Amen. So he receives all the glory in the church now and forevermore. Amen. Now, I talked about this earlier. His desire is for the whole church to glorify him throughout all the ages. And one of the major ways we can glorify him is by worshiping him in spirit and in truth. So every opportunity you have to do that and give him the glory, why don't you give him the glory? Whether individually or as a group, give him the glory because of all that he has done for us through the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. So the prayers of Paul are powerful and they are Holy Ghost anointed. You can apply them to yourself, your spouse, your children, or to other saints who need to grow and mature in the things of God. Just replace the appropriate pronouns to personalize them or to apply them to others that you're praying for. Let me wrap this up here with an illustration to show you what I'm talking about. I'm going to pray the prayers of Paul over my oldest daughter, Marcy. Just hear me out. Father, I pray for my oldest daughter, Marcy. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto Marcy the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him the eyes of her understanding being enlightened, that she may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards Marcy who believes according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places." far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And Lord, if you have put all demonic principalities and powers under the feet of Jesus, you have put all demonic principalities and powers under Marcy's feet, because she's a member of the body of Christ. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant mercy according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in her inner man, that Christ may dwell in her heart through faith, that she, being rooted and grounded in love, that mercy may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that she may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church and in mercy by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Now that's an example of the way you can pray for the people you love that are already Christians, born again, born again, spirit-filled. This is how you can pray for them. And I recommend that you do it a lot and you do it consistently and don't let up. Pray for your friends. Pray for your relatives. Pray for your spouse. Pray the prayers of Paul. And you watch and see what happens in their life. And even when you see change 
and things begin to spring forth in their life. Don't stop. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Even when it looks like they're doing great. Keep praying. So when you pray like this, when you intercede for others and for yourself in this manner consistently, you'll be amazed at the changes you'll see and the revelation that will come into your life, into the lives of your family and into the lives of your fellow saints. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message, Praying the Prayers of Paul. If you would like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. <laughs>